Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thanks. Just taking care of business. Welcome to church, everybody. These things are these things are important that we handle them. Hey, Joe. What's up, man? Double portion. That's my double portion brother right there. I think I probably overpromised a bit. If you've seen my posts on Facebook or Instagram, I can't summarize the last eighteen months in thirty minutes. Sorry. I know you should. Under promise and overperform. I think I overpromised. Sorry about that. But I think there's still the word of the Lord for people this morning. Um, I was reading through a book on, um, it's, an, it's interesting. Hey, the, uh, when I was just thinking about oil because uh, there's a, um, what's the, I can't remember what the name of the book is, something about cancer cures or something. And this fellow had reduced his PSA from 24.5 to 4.1, and here's, and here's how he did it. That's pretty impressive. Man, I'm just talking to man. You, you ladies don't have PSAs. Um, and here's how he did it. He would take, he, he took eight tablespoons of flax oil and put it in a cup of kefir. I tried it. Oh. You just wonder who created kefir. How long can we leave this milk, drink it, and not die? <laughs> it's awful stuff, kefir. But um, anyway, I've been eating that this week, and um, I just thought I'd start with a little tip to help you off. Uh, we, used to, we used to put cuddler royal in our kids' oatmeal, uh, the pill, the pill. Did anybody else do that? Well, you'd put the pills at the bottom, and then what would happen is that the, the oatmeal, of course, would melt the outside and pretty soon, bloop, up would come this little <laughs> bubble of cod liver oil. Kids are... Well, oil does, it's a funny thing, right? Because you put it, kefir oil in the kefir and it's, it floats, right? Mix it up really good, it's still awful. <laughs> but anyway, I've been eating oatmeal. Hi, sweetheart, if you're online today. Kelly wasn't feeling well this morning. So I told her she could take the day off. And um, laid hands on her a little bit. Um, you know, she was pretty impressed I was wearing a blazer. I said, well, it's about time I started acting my wage. <laughs> By faith. <laughs> All right. I want to read Psalm 139. It's not on the overhead, but I think it's an important. This, this Psalm 139, it's one of my favorites. Um, I've, uh, I spent a lot of time in the Psalms. This, this is, would be a forensic prayer, if there's ever one. And, um, and some of you pray the last verse a little bit there sometimes, if you've got nerve. Search me, O Lord, know my heart. Test me, know my thoughts. Point at anything out me that offends you and lead me along the path everlasting. If you have nerve, you'll pray that. But there's a passage right in the middle of verse 5 where it says, um, You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand a blessing upon me when the hand, when the, when the hand, when his hand, 
he, so his, the, the hand of the Lord is upon you. He says when he placed your hand upon me, this was the Father's blessing. And he, and, and he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride in the wings of the morning or dwell in the farthest seas, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I love that. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You both precede me. Just listen to me. I'm going to say it again. You both precede me and follow me. You both go in front of me and behind me. The Lord is consistently dealing with two different versions of you. The you now and the you in the future. And the, the, the pathway, the narrow path, Jesus would call it, is taking us from where we are to where he's invited us to be. <clears throat> and this is why I think that we misquote Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 many times. We, we, we quote it very carelessly and say, well, all things are just going to work for good. No, not unless you're able to love God in your current circumstance. Not curse him, love him. Did you hear me? How, because many times we're circumstantial in our response to the Lord. But he said, that things will work out good if you're able to love me in your current circumstance. All things will work for good to those who love God in your current circumstance, who are functioning in their calling, and that that's according to his purpose. So the story we're going to review, a little bit of, a little bit of my story maybe, but not, not nearly as dramatic as Job. Um, the Lord has a purpose for you in your current circumstance. So don't curse your circumstance, leverage it. We're not Christian masochists, but, but the challenge is when situations or circumstances don't agree with us, it's hard for us to love God. Am I? That's difficult for us, right? But he said, this is, why, this is what's so powerful about worship. He's never failed me yet. Great is your faithfulness. That doesn't change if life's not going well for you from your perspective. Because he's in front of you and he's behind you. Many times I think when it said, when he said that they would inquire of the Lord uh, that, that to go ahead and pursue the enemies or go ahead and fight that battle, what he was saying is that I'm already out in front of you. Pursue me, not the enemy. Pursue me and I can assure you a victory. So what happens when we find ourselves in challenging circumstances that we want to blame it on the enemy. When the Lord's trying to remind us that the enemy is firmly under our feet. Is he or is he not? Was he victorious or was he not? He was. If you're in Christ, so are you. So, so I want to just talk to us a little bit about... Um, <laughs> And yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get too many emails last week. It's pretty good. But if you are challenged, just send your emails to Tim S. at my C3 church. 
Not CA, he'd be happy to address them. <laughs> um, that's okay, here's what I found out. I found out um, about Wednesday. Um, you know, there's a little thing in our heads that reminds us when we say things we shouldn't. Mine's broken. And, and there's another thing that reminds you that you need to finish the sentence. That appears to be broken as well. But Wednesday, I realized I'd made a statement like this, and I said, I don't memorize scripture anymore. But I didn't finish the, the point because the Lord didn't, didn't, uh, I didn't invite him into my head. I'm, that, I'm in the process of doing that. So the memory part, um, I think what's more important to me is I meditate on scriptures, allow them to get into my heart because that's where the issues of life are. And, and because, yeah, so, so I, I thought of that about Wednesday. So I'm going to try and finish the sentences that I start. I'm going to try to, um, much as I can, um, because um, truth does liberate us. It's designed to liberate you. But first, it'll make you mad, because it confronts any lie that's within you. And when we meditate on Scripture, it's like extracting the poison of lies from our belief systems. And that process can be a little bit painful at times. So there's, there was, a, right after I, I came to faith and I started working at the church, the, uh, an old farmer came to me and said, what, do you, what are you doing? What do you, like, church? Like, what, what do you? I said, well, I'd like to help people make good choices and make positive changes in their life. He looked at me for a while, nodded his head, and he said, yeah, mm-hmm, people change, but not very much. That was not very encouraging to me. But I find that there's certain environments where we'll change really quick. Certain environments. And two things will promote cho- tra- change in your life faster than any of the other things. One is intimacy, and the other is adversity. Intimacy and adversity will bring about change quicker than anything else. So I want to take another look at, at um, Job and... Uh, it's fun to be preaching again. Turns out I'm a repeat offender, so could be that I may say something that you don't agree with, which is fine. But I want to talk about Job, and I, and I want to look at a couple of parts in that. And, and I probably won't be able to answer properly why do good, bad things happen to good people. That's too weighty a question. And maybe I should say this as well, is I don't have a lot of answers anymore. Two years ago, I had lots of answers. I now basically have questions, lots of questions. Um, but I've got a few of the big questions answered that solve all the other little questions. And one thing I know is that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> that solves a lot of problems for us. <laughs> Amen. So um, I want to just deal with a little bit of this as I look at Job. And I want to look very briefly. I can't remember what scriptures I put over uh, on the overhead. So I like chapter, I'm just going to refer to chapter 13 for a second. Job actually challenged the Lord and said, I want to ask you questions and I want you to answer some questions. And, um, you know, he was, he, in his grief, he made some demands of the Lord. And I'll, in, in chapter 13, um, he said, Job said this, now, I, now summon me and I will answer, or let me speak to you and reply. Tell me what I have done and show me my rebellion and sin. Why do you turn away from me? Why do you consider me an enemy? Why, uh, would you terrify a leaf that's blown in the wind? Um, 
I didn't re- realize that the first time I heard that because I wonder, well, gosh, why is, why is God like coming off in chapter 38 there? He's just like pepper, is like speed questions for Job. Well, Job is challenging him. And he, he did that a couple of times in that chapter and the previous one. So it, it, it's kind of interesting to me what, how that worked. And then, so then, and then his friends, friends, uh, were questioning about creation, chapter 37. So, G, so, so the Lord starts in chapter 38 dealing with creation. I'm like, that's a funny place to start. Um, but I thought, I thought that's, that's pretty good. The, any of you familiar with the Catholic mystic Richard Rohr? Richard Rohr said this. He said this. He said that the skills that you need in the first half of your life are not the skills you'll need in the second half of your life. Anybody ever realize that? I wish I knew what I knew then when I was younger. So, so I think that um, life may not get easier. Uh, we may get stronger. In sports, the advantage is how to play the game. But in life, the advantage is knowing what game to play. I like listening to the scores, uh, the hockey scores. At the, like, I, the game is, mm, but it's interesting, the, the highlights. And, and I'm Canadian. It's okay. But I, I love when Daryl Sutter does his summary. <laughs> when you, when you, a little back checking and then pass and oh well, so and next time well. See, have you tried to listen to that? Is he speaking in tongues? What's he doing? I can never figure him out because you only get about one word every two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's muttering and hand waving. What? Well, Job is a little bit the same. Like there's a whole bunch of muttering and a whole bunch of hand waving. But, but, but you got to really listen closely. And as I said last week, Job was somebody who was without covenant. So he's outside of promise. This was someplace in Genesis. We don't know where. And, and he never even had, was under the Abrahamic covenant, let alone the Noahic covenant or the Davidic covenant. You and I have a better covenant. I'm saying we, you and I trust the words of Jesus, not the words of Job. However, he has some insight. And, I, and this, is, this is my summary of what I'm trying to say, is that, is that both Job and all of his friends, quote, very loose friends, had some image of what God was like, as you all do. How do you know if it's right or not? I personally don't think any picture that we've ever seen of Jesus is accurate. And the weirdest one is the one with the heart on the outside. It's just creepy. I am so sad. That's not my Jesus. He rose victorious. He's our champion. And so, any, so when we come to the book of Job, you're going to have to be humble enough to say, Lord, I'm just probably about to get a revelation of what you're like. I, two years ago, I had a really clear image of what I thought God was like. That all got shaken for us, me and Kelly. Um, it didn't shake my faith. But you'll read at the end of Job, something different, something completely changed about him. How he prayed. Did you notice that? You read the last chapter. It says, if you'll pray for your friends now, like his prayer life changed. My prayer life has totally been renovated. 
I wish it wouldn't have taken what it took to get that to happen. I would have liked to have done that voluntarily. You could say, this is, and, this, and this, is, this is the thing, um, because um, one of the things that upset a couple of people last week was I said that sin is not an issue. This, our sin is all completely dealt with in, in the cross. doesn't mean it's all applied yet to my life. Sin still kills, right? Wage of sin is still death. Um, but the big work, because I can get free from sin, um, you know, at, between stoplights. I can, I can stop its power, but unless I change my mind, I'll keep doing stupid things again and again and again. The big work is transforming the way that you think. And, you, right, there's, I, and we all got pulpits, right? And there's preaching going on all the time. Some like Daryl Sutter. Just mumbles. But do you know what I mean? So, so I could say this, then you could use this in an equation, is the quality of your thoughts is the quality of your life. And if your life is not specifically working, you want to review what you're repeating in your head. What are your thoughts? The big work, this is often why I pray in the Spirit more than anything, is because I need the mind of Christ pulled from my spirit into my mind. Praying, if, you don't, if you just pray in the Spirit, you just speak in tongues and don't imagine what's taking place in your life, it's just a bunch of vowels. But if you can begin to see it, I pray in the Spirit and then I get an image of a really healthy prostate. I don't know how big they are. No, no, I do. Right? I, when I pray in the Spirit, when my lungs weren't working, I get a picture of the breath of God in my life, in my lungs. I couldn't sing for three years. I couldn't laugh. I'd start to cough. But once I got the breath of heaven in my lungs, I could both sing and laugh. I'm here to say today I can sing and laugh. This process of healing, is, often it feels like we take too long. Well, the, pro- the problem is not the Lord in the speed of our healing. It's our cooperation, the agreement, uh, that we come into agreement. So, so you get, I mean, I just, uh, yeah, I probably want to just kind of address it. It's a little bit personal because um, there, you've got to be aware that there's times when the Bible isn't true, and specifically that's when we take it out of context. And because then it just becomes words, they're little mantras, they're little superstitions that we repeat and think everything's going to work okay. Yeah, this, this is very disappointing to people. Probably why lots of people are falling away from their faith. It's because it's just been a mental faith. It's not been integrated into their heart and their life and their world. It hasn't touched the part of them that makes decisions. And that, that, that takes a bit of work. The pandemic right now that we're facing is Christian narcissism. Where, where we miss the primary purpose of following Christ, to be conformed to his image. And most of us don't care for being conformed. We like ourselves just the way we are. Don't mess with my pretty little world. And when your pretty little world gets shaken up, what gets shaken up is your belief systems as well. Am I right? All right. That's what I'm trying to... So Kelly asked me this week, uh, would you just deal with grief because everybody's dealing with grief? And I said, honey, I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm... So, Stuck in the middle with you. I am just, I got to get through it. But I love when the Lord says so much about mourning. Because he says, blessed are those that mourn because they will be comforted. Do you know what I am experiencing from the Lord? Comfort. Do you know when you experience comfort? When you mourn. If you haven't had to address or face a loss properly, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, doesn't mean just because you cry that joy will come. So, so he says, blessed are those that mourn. He, he is in the process of turning 
my morning into dancing. I don't know what you think about dancing, but it's better than morning. Right? He's in, the, I, he's in the transformation business today of turning my losses into rejoicing. Yeah. He's doing that. Now I have to let him. He won't do that without permission. He's not a bully. Satan's a bully. He'll push you into making a decision. The Lord will say, this is the way, walk in it. Come on, come to me, all you who are weary. He'll, he'll invite us to come. He won't push you. The enemy pushes you. I've been very pushed to agree with Job's wife. Well, just curse God and die. Like, that is not, that's not a very hopeful statement. Um, anyway, Kel says, why don't you deal with grief? Uh, our life is largely a series of ungrieved losses. And learning to say goodbye to some things allows us to get a hold of some things. But if our hands are so full of the pain of yesterday, we won't grab, be able to grab onto the hope of tomorrow. Um, I've asked the Lord to help me mourn because there's a blessing in it. I just, just about finished reading C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed. He said that grief for him was like an invisible blanket between him and the world. Any of you faced a loss recently, maybe the loss of a loved one? You feel this, like a, and it is kind of like a blanket that insulates you or so isolates you or um, it's, it's hard to explain. But, but we can get through that. What Job would say in chapter 1, he says, in his grief, he says, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. In your, in your pain... You don't have anything else to do but be able to speak out things that may not be true, but they're true to what you're currently experiencing. And so in order for us to get our heads straight, we often, in those moments, it's easy for us to attribute to God what he is not. Towards, and then by chapter 42, he says, just forget everything I said, Lord. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. Because then I thought I knew you, but now I have seen you. What happened to him? He got a revelation of what God was like. You know, when, you know when you'll get a revelation of God as healer? When you need healing. Before that, you won't know him as healer. Do you know what also I'm experiencing in loss? I'm experiencing the Lord as my provider. He doesn't, it's, you know, we can celebrate his, his provision um, as long as everything's being provided. We can celebrate it then. But we really celebrate it when we need the miracle of provision. So it's okay. It's okay. But we hurt and our words reflect our hearts. There's many days that Kelly and I felt trapped in a whirlwind of emotions. A quick, a quick, this, this like, it was like quicksand of what ifs. Our safety zone was no longer safe. Our home was our sanctuary. It's no longer safe. It's no longer around. One year ago tomorrow. The constants in our life that fortified our inner man were revealed to be more fragile than we ever thought possible. Because I used to think, on Christ the solid rock I stand. And the Irish would say, and other, all the other rocks are shamrocks. <laughs> but the things that used to fortify us we're more fragile now. I spent many nights staring out into the dark night that amplified 
the condition of my own soul. Confined by confusion and circumstances that were beyond my control, I, would, I was haunted by the words of Jesus that said, Physician, feel your, heal yourself. You have helped so many others be healed. You had so much conviction for other people's deliverance. You had such strong, compassionate words for other people's protection. Now, physician, you heal yourself. That's, that's a, that's a is, he my, is he my protection? And it just seemed like another hit would come. Boom. And another one. Boom. And there's a few nights that Kelly would just hold me and say, are we protected or not? And I would have to honestly say, I don't know. Because I don't know what's going to be next. It was, it was, it was, the confusing part was that the things I thought were solid were, they felt like they evaporated. And I think that's how Job felt. And all of the questions he had. And um, his friends, all they had. Um, Minister to yourself, physician. You maybe have not had that because you've not made such bold declarations from a pulpit. But I thought back at some of those sermons that I made these strong declarations. Did I believe actually what I was preaching? Because if so, preacher, preach to yourself. God's not a taker, but in grief, we say and think and believe stuff. When the world seems dark and hostile, we have to blame something to make sense. So we say things, we say stuff that, that hurts others because of the pain of our own souls. Grief creates questions, and it sure did for me. I want to just talk about pride and humility <clears throat> a little bit. By the time he, get, he gets through his friends, um, because chapter, chapter 38, he, the, all this creation stuff, it's just fascinating. Uh, do you know where the depths of the ocean are? The average grade eighter would know more about creation than Job would have known when he made these statements. The, the oceans, the, the, the deepest that they've been able to trace is 38,810 feet. Um, he, by th chapter 39, it's really funny. I have so many smiley faces beside my verses. Uh, do you know why I created the ostrich? <laughs> Here's a bird that can't fly but can run faster than a horse. It's hilarious. No, no, what's the deal with that? I was, I was waiting, I was, he was kind of hoping that he would like, like explain the warthog or like a platypus or something, which are just leftover parts or something. It's, it's funny, isn't it? But he's making some statements about creation. I find them incredibly entertaining, chapter 38 and 39. Um, so um, he said, do you understand the dimensions of creation? And I just, I think it's fascinating. Here's the issue with pride, it's unteachable. This is why Christian narcissism is such an issue currently. Um, because it's selfish. We would, we would like the kingdom without the king, please. Um, we like convenience, please. All you watching at home from your couch in your pajamas and your slippers and your hot chocolate. <laughs> You're missing it out. You should be here. Are you watching the... Are you watching the noise online? Yeah, it'll be fun now. That'll be fun. <laughs> no, 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 but, but, but we're meant, we're, we're commanded to gather together. 
because there's some pieces from the body that are missing today. To make this body work, you need the pieces, right? Maybe you just think, well, I'm an appendix or a spleen or we need you. And when we gather together, the body begins to become an army. The more in agreement, the greater destruction we can do. Two will put 10,000 to flight. <laughs> Little rant, eh? Um, it's, it's always right. The, having knowledge about what we're ignorant about is important. Just waiting for a couple nods. We're all ignorant on just different topics, right? Well, pride won't be taught, can't be taught. Job came to a listening point. He's, God, answer me, God, answer me. And then God started answering me. He said, whoops. <laughs> How well do we know God? <clears throat> it's important when you, by, because the name of God is different. When, you get, when you're reading chapter 38, the name of God changes. You'll notice that it's spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Changes. All through the dialogue with the friends, in the first, cha in the first chapter, and maybe even the second chapter, they would use the name Jehovah God. It's the personal name. But, but for the rest, when all the friends were talking about God, it was like, it's basically like the, the, the big guy in the sky. I always get a kick of people like that that say that. But, he would, but they had an idea, they thought of what God was like. But they didn't know him as Jehovah. The life giver, the personal creator. It changes. It would, it, it, it's the same as the self-existent one. He says, that everything else is created. I'm the creator. There's no, we can co-create right now, but Satan was not a creator. He was a created being, designed to be a servant of you and I. Um, what will finally help us deal with pride? Carl Jung said, every addiction is an unprayed prayer. Pride, we can become proud of our humility. It's very self-focused, um, very self-centered. And can I say this? That prayerlessness is pridefulness because we think we can do it without help. The, huge, the, the hugest part of walking in faith requires humility. That I will allow the Lord to instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go. If you don't think you need any help, you don't need faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, I'm going to just meddle a little bit and then kind of come down the back stretch. Um, the, the Job's friends... The world is full of people who want to serve in an advisory capacity. <laughs> uh, and here, can I just like, let everybody off the hook? Most of the time, we don't know what to say when people are going through a difficult time. But the scripture says, here's what you do. You weep with those that weep. There's been a couple of people that have just held me. And Wept. And that was the most healing thing. Trying to cook up some crazy idea of like saying, I know what you're going through or something. That's nice, but it's not helpful. I had one person say to me, your house was nothing. 
I said, hang on, it was really something. It held memories. It was, it was a lot. I know what they're saying. Eternity is better and this is temporal and whatever. That didn't help me at all. When people are going through stuff, it's just be very careful <clears throat> because, because you're, you're talking about, because the Lord's at work in their lives trying to get them to a place, get them back to a place of praise and worship. But there'll be, there's pain and confusion and chaos. It's difficult. Job's friends were trying to cook up stuff to say. You know, they say silence is golden. Duct tape is silver. The, all four of the friends, they had different views of God. When you read about, this, when you read about them, you'll find out what their view was. Uh, this, I'm just going to summarize kind of quick, then I'm running out of time. Uh, Eliphaz, he was a traditionalist. And you could understand life by, its, by, obser- by observing it. Um, Zopha, Zopha, is that a name? No, Zilpa, Zilpa, yeah, was uh, merciless. He was cruel. Uh, Bildad was a little hobbit. No, I couldn't even say this. (laughs) Bildad was a legalist. Everything, right? None of them were open to a new revelation of God. God, So the question is, God for us in a time of, of chaos can be something that he was never like in a time when everything was going just right. We have to get a revelation of who he is in every season of life. Um, the other guy there, um, Elihu, he was a flatterer. He, and he always kept saying, listen, listen, I think he was losing people their attention. It's kind of cute just reading about him. It's, it's fun to read through and just see. They, but they, here's the point. They all, had a, they all had an opinion and a view of what God was like. And... Job was just about to get a new revelation. Here's what happens when we're going through adversity. The Lord is trying to give us a new revelation of who he is for us. This is, this, uh, how, this is how he builds his church, on a revelation of Jesus. And this is, takes an entire life. <clears throat> um, um, it's pretty interesting, but Job's, Job's friends, they're, they're sort of, I, was, I thought to myself, I wonder what the conversation would have been like if these four comforters would have been on the road to Emmaus after the, after the death, burial, and resurrection. I wonder if their view would have been a little different. That conversation would have been hilarious. Remember, everything that you hear is an opinion and everything you see is a perception. It doesn't mean it's truth. Everything you hear is just an opinion. Everything you see is just a perception. That means truth. Um, Job's, uh, I just want to maybe, um, one of the biggest dangers for all of us is secondhand truth. Secondhand offenses are the worst to deal with. Secondhand truth is terrible. I was making some award-winning smoked beans and... Uh, one of, the, one of the secrets is the jalapenos. And you know what they say, like, after you've been cutting with jalapenos, you don't wipe your eyes? It's right. <laughs> I learned that. And then, of course, when you're trying to rub it out of your eye and still the jalapeno's still on you, and you're, and pretty soon I'm just like, ah! It really worked. Um, 
um, the worst kind of pain, I think, is relational pain. And uh, my opinion is 99% of relational pain is perception. Just think about that. Because we have a perception of what we thought happened. But what we're doing is creating pain for ourselves. We don't know what really happened. Do we have that slide there, slide guy? Forgiveness is the key to moving forward. Is there another slide? Is there a slide that I have a picture of some checks? Is that there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Renata, Renata Haberfield and uh, Wiley Coyote and Aaron Wills. These guys tried to embezzle like $6,000 from me. Because when our house, after the house burnt, it was burglarized uh, and vandalized. And you wonder what kind of people do that. There's a term for that. I can't use it in church. However, I'll tell you what I've discovered. I've discovered for every rotten rascal, there's thousands of excellent people. We have experienced the kindness of God on levels we never would have experienced ever before. The, the, these guys here, yeah, 2150, 2366, and they even signed Amy's, I don't even know how they got that. Her, I said, Amy, what were you doing writing checks? She said, I didn't write them. What's, look, they signed my name. Um, this is pretty bad. That's really not Kelly. But they stole Amy's and Kelly's checkbooks. Do you know what? You know where I'm at with these guys? Because these are the guys that stole my bag of Hilti drills. Not like just like the Sears ones, nice ones. Do you know what I've done with these guys? Forgiven them. And I currently feel sorry for them. Uh, forgiveness does not change the past. It changes the future. That's what it does. When you were going through stuff, I mean, Kelly, for the longest time, she should be able to speak for herself, but she was upset because the neighbor's deck caught on fire. She was sure he was out smoking and found it hard to forgive him. Do you know what happened? It created a little prison for her. Speaking on your behalf, sweetheart. You know, that she couldn't get out of. The house is gone. You were gone. Being upset at the neighbor smoking in the boys' room, that doesn't, who cares? It's over. Well, I got, we have to move on. One of the best ways to move forward is learn to forgive. And you'll find that the hardest one to forgive is yourself. Second hardest is the Lord because we got an idea that he, well, he must have created it. He must have allowed it. He must have want, 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 want. Um, Today, there's only mercy, no power, no triggers, and no pain. None. I feel sorry for them, whoever they are. Um, I hope I never find them in the back alley. Those who, um, <laughs> those who are the hardest to love are the, lo- are, the, are the ones that need us the most. Am I right? Those who are the hardest to love are the ones that need it the most. Pain that's protected and likely festering is what is most likely projected to others. When you get hurt from another person, somebody lashes out at you, it's because there's a pain that's inside that's unhealed. We have to break the cycle of pain. I, th- I think unforgiveness affects our health. 
more than just exercise and good eating, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but our lives are largely limited to the things we can't get past, and many times we can't get past stuff because we're unwilling to forgive. Last point, don't come up. Um, we all have moments and experiences and dates that hold special significance, and they carry messages and feelings and emotions and stories that we tell ourselves, and we never remember accurately. You only remember how that made you feel, and every time you remember it, it amplifies the feeling inside you. Um, November is a, mom, a, a month that holds be very special significance for me. It was my dad's birthday. It's three of my grandkids' birthdays. It's hunting season. <laughs> Thank you. A little something would help. <laughs> um, November, 34 years ago, we'd come home from Norway, and we accepted a temporary position as youth pastors at our local church and, and accepted the role of preaching on an Indian reserve uh, all through the, like, the harshest winter in Canada's history, I'm sure. But that's the day, that's the month I got called into ministry. I know, I know. It's kind of, kind of interesting, hey? Um, and the month of November sets off a cascade of emotions that 2.15 in the morning, an angel woke me up. I thought an angel was in the other room because the room was uh, bright as like a thousand-watt light bulb. And uh, I said, Kelly, what are you doing with the light on? And she's beside me, and she's some right here. And I go, oh, gosh, something's going on over there, expecting to meet Gabriel himself. Uh, instead, I seen that the neighbor's house is on fire. Um, you know, fire, fires happen, but... What happened, like trauma in a moment happens, it's what happens after the trauma that creates the damage for us. The, so for at 2.15 in the morning for the next month and a half, I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking the house was on fire. And aren't we thankful for our brains that <laughs> remember? <laughs> but it kept thinking I'm in danger, and they would set off these, all these emotions in this cascade of hormones and adrenaline and... Um, you know, cortisol and all th that, that's meant to save me. I'm fine. I could I just go back to sleep, body? But it set off all these emotions for us. And, um, and we had quite a time. And I just want to say, once again, thank you so much for your patience in that process. When I said, don't come and ask us what happens, and don't come and say, I hope you're okay. And especially not Kelly, you would have got a karate chop in the throat. <laughs> I know, I've been on the receiving end of those. Um, <laughs> But what you did is you just let us grieve. And for many of you, you wept with us as well. That was very healing for us. So let's not try to be professionals about stuff, hey? Let's just be human. And let's try to ask the Lord, how do we help people who are in grief? And how do we, how do we sit with them and don't offer counsel? And um, in Job chapter 42, if I can get there to just wrap us up here this morning, um, and then Job responded, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom? I I actually, I like how it started. I'm sorry, I went way off the questions. In, 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 the, in, in third, chapter 38, um, in the ESV says, who is this that, dark, that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I just think that's a great way for the Lord to introduce himself. Who is, who is this? that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. And then he says, dress for action like a man. In other words, brace yourself. One, one version says, brace yourself. 
Uh, he wanted to meet God so bad. So he was waiting. So here's what happened. He went through the crisis. And, and in the crisis, he thought he knew what God was like, but he was just about to get schooled. I don't know what you've been through. I know what I've been through. I'm not sure what you've been through. But I'm saying if we're able to love God in our current circumstance, and we're able to worship him in our current circumstance, if we're able to worship him as Lord of all, he will begin to create a, stir within you a revelation that you never would have had at any other time in your life. And he says later in chapter 42 there, he says, listen, I'm going to speak to you. He's, um, sorry, verse 5. I have heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. He's got a revelation. I, it doesn't say where this takes place. I was trying to imagine that. Where, are we on like, you know, in a Bedouin tent? Are we on a hilltop? Where are we? What's going on? We don't, we don't know. But, but something phenomenal take, takes place there. He says, then I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and repent. Uh, and after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, I'm angry with you and with your friends, for you've not been right in what you've said about me as my servant Job has. Job had said some things about God that were accurate. I'm not sure which parts. <laughs> because there's lots of, and then it says he blessed him. Why? Because he's a giver. Not a taker. Um, this is, this is uh, what, what happens in encounters, and that's why church, gathering church, we put in the, the days, the chronos, and then there's a moment when the Lord begins to speak. That's an encounter time. And the altar is always for that. Altar is a place of sacrifice. All, altar is a place of submission. It says of Ezra, before they built the temple, they built the altar. They rebuilt the altar. As long as I'm pastor here, there's always going to be an altar because we need to have encounters. And those encounters lead to us having a greater revelation of who God is for us. But when we have an encounter, we have to let go of our old ideas and our traditions about what God's really like. Because he's better than you ever dreamed. I'll wrap up with this. Caden, come on now. <clears throat> the Bible says that our mind set on the spirit is life and peace, but set on the flesh is death. What happened? What, what, when we become, so mindset, so this is like we become hostile with God. When we become hostile with God, we become hostage to our situation. But a mindset in the spirit is life and peace. As new covenant believers, we're under better covenant. I think, it, it, and for me, during this time, I'm learning to pray. It says after that, he learned to pray completely differently. Let me just, um, he said, then, then Job prayed for his fan, friends. In fact, the Lord gave him twice because God's a giver as much as before. I'm, I'm between a whole bunch of stuff being lost and a whole bunch of stuff being recovered because the word for me is still recovery. You'll get to see that if you hang around. God's always doing miracles. He's going to restore twice as much as was taken. He's a double portion guy, Joe. He, he, he's going to restore it because he, he's upset that things got stolen too. A lot of those things are gifts from God. Our house was a gift from God. We came to Calgary with zero money. That house was a gift from God. Somebody stole that gift of God's. You think he's not upset with that? But he's going to restore. Do you see him as a redeemer yet? Have you had that revelation as he'll take stuff that people mean for evil and turn it into good? People mean evil towards you. Anybody had any evil people stuff towards you mm -hmm, this morning? No, but, but, but you know what? We got to get through this stuff, you guys. And we got to get over it. <clears throat> words are so powerful I, and I think 
I think words can cast spells. That's why it's called spelling, I think. I've really been careful about how I pray, the words I pray. So I've had to write them out because I found I was praying goofy prayers. Now, none of you are like that. None of you are like that. I'm the heathen. I didn't know. And there's a whole bunch of things. And I'll start to pray stuff. And, I'll, and I sound, you know, like Eliphaz or, you know, Zophar or, or Job. And I go, careful now with the words that you're saying. So I write them out. And then what I do is I repray the prayers for days. It says of David, um, I love the, the 23rd Psalm, which I think was written later in his life when he was an old man. Because there's so much history. You will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Doesn't mean, didn't say that he'd prepare a place at the table. He says, your enemies are going to see the things that I've given back to you. The table's going to be spread. And your enemies are going to have to look. David was, wasn't born a man after God's own heart. That got shaped. Do you know what God's doing in my heart? He's shaping my heart because I want to have a heart like David's. In order to be shaped, it's a little pressure gets placed on us. I woke up this morning really sore. And I think it's that weighted blanket that we have. <clears throat> I can hardly... What's going on? Call the doctor. <laughs> I thought if a weighted blanket like 20 pounds is good, that 40 pounds is better. I can hardly breathe under the blessed thing. It's, it's awful. <clears throat> so if anybody wants a deal on a weighted blanket. Uh, um, anyway, we know how to... Re- he got, Joseph had a revelation. And... Um, and um, okay. There's two people I want... Types of people I want to pray for. Um... I want to pray for people that feel lost in their circumstance this morning. I think I'm just going to pray from up here. Um, you feel lost in your circumstance. You're drowning in it. And it feels like every, every step you take, you just... And every time you take a step forward, you get slapped. Maybe, maybe it's time to just be still and know that God is God. Um, I want to pray for people who are having difficulty sleeping. And... Um, this just kept coming up in my heart, and I'm going to break that spell. Um, and so, and I want to pray for people. I'm going to pray for us all to have a new revelation of God that doesn't take a whole bunch of situations that are painful. Would you just stand to your feet with me? Because this is, we would call a very strategic time in our service, a very strategic time. <clears throat> Everything to this point is to get you to a listening point that you won't run away because the Holy Spirit's about to move and do something in some people's lives. Some of you have had sleeping issues and you're, uh, you're, uh, you don't want to take any medication for it. I'm with you. It's not that medication's bad. I took a couple. I had weird dreams. But, <clears throat> so I quit doing that. But however, but, but the Bible says that the Lord gives His beloved sleep. Sleep's a gift. Your body repairs while that sleeps. So I'm going to pray for people that need uh, or having trouble sleeping. People that feel lost in this circumstance, will I ever get out of this? And um, what was the other one? Three, three. What's that? A revelation of who God is. Okay, should you just bow your head for a second? This all happens between you and the Lord, right? These are, these are, these are super important moments. And in order to get a fresh revelation of God, you have to repent for the current revelation that you have 
basically saying, um, Lord, I need a new revelation. Last year's revelation is different. I need a revelation today. I am coming into a season of new wine, personally, because the old wine skin is bursting. It's not working. So I'm coming in. Maybe you need to come into that. You need a, a new revelation of who God is for you today. Father, I'm praying for those who yesterday's revelation was exciting and awesome, but time for a fresh revelation of who God's like. Ooh, Lord. I feel hearts crying out. What do I do? What do I say? Just sit still. Father, begin to open up the word to them. Begin to hunger for who you really are for them. They've never seen this before, so it's brand new. And they can hardly believe how awesome it really is that you could even do something better than last year. I thank you for this year's revelation of who you are in this situation. Lord, I pray for people that feel lost and they're not sure, pressed on every side. Ah, but they can look up. Father, I pray for those that need to look up today. They're pressed from all sides. It's a job, it's a relationship, it's a, I don't know, whatever it is. Spirit of God, I pray for people who feel lost today would come into an understanding that you are enough. You are more than enough. And now, Father, those people that need, uh, they're having trouble sleeping. And I'd like to see your hands, please, with your eyes closed. Yeah, yeah. And you don't even know, thank you. Okay, today that stops. Yeah. You put your hand up. That was your response to the Lord, not the Lord. Father, each one of those that have raised their hands, I'm not sure what you're trying to say to everyone. That would be uh, arrogant to think I knew. <clears throat> but it's time that we no longer let circumstances and spiritual influences steal a great sleep from us. So Lord, we are those people that believe in your promise. And so today I declare that over this body, each one that raised their hands, Father, from this day forward, they will have an excellent sleep. They'll sleep just like a teenager. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you're such an accuser. You wake them up and their heads start spinning and going over stuff. I command you to be silent in the name of Jesus and that their sleep would be sweet. You'll lay your head down and your sleep will be sweet. And Father, we just say right now that tonight, as they settle into their bed, they'll remember the promise, they'll remember the word, they'll remember the prophecy that great will be their sleep in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare it so, and we thank you for excellent sleep tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being in church this morning. The Lord bless you. Have an awesome week. You're released. Go and change your work. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.